Hello everyone and welcome to the 3-Ball. I'm your host Sam and in today's podcast we are going to be discussing the Eastern Conference and sort of I'll be given like an outlook and preview for what that conference is going to look like this season at least what I think might go down and what's likely to go down and just how this season might shape up for these 15 teams in the Eastern Conference. Before I start I do want to apologize for the lack of consistency with the recent episodes. I just haven't found the time, and it, the season hasn't started yet, so I haven't really found it super, you know, super duper important. But once the season starts, I hope to get it to twice a week. I'll post a Western Conference video like this in one week, probably a week from today. And then once the season gets going, I hope to get this thing to twice a week. That's the plan. We'll see. You know, we'll see how that develops. But right now, that that is at least what I'm I'm, I'm trying to get to happen. But I'm just going to go ahead and start this this one pretty quickly. Let's go ahead and start talking about the Eastern Conference and how this conference might shape shape up this year. And there there's really when I look at this Eastern Conference, there's six teams that I think you could look at them and say, "Hey, they're serious contenders," or those are teams that I think can make a push for the NBA Finals once the playoffs begin. The other the other group of nine teams. It would either take a, a string of miracles or some sort of deadline moves or roster adjustment to get them to a place in which they're going to be able to elevate to this next tier. The Eastern Conference, I, I really feel like, is a conference with, with defined tiers. There's a very clear top tier of teams, very, very clear. There's a very, very good second tier. And the third tier is a bunch of average you don't really know their current direction teams, and then there's the, the bottom of the pack. The East really has a lot of defined tiers, which is interesting because the West is more of just a group, just just an all-out group of really, really good teams. The East, I've always, at least in the past few years, I've said that the East is very top-heavy, while the West is very deep, which I I think still t- still t- still stands true. Because the teams with the most talent in the NBA currently are Phoenix, Milwaukee, and Boston. Two of those teams are in the Eastern Conference. But talent doesn't obviously define everything. Denver won the championship last year, and you, I would argue they don't have as much talent as some of some of the other teams they had to beat, like the Lakers. They probably had, arguably, that, that one's close. The Lakers arguably had more talent than Denver last year in the playoffs, but Denver came through and swept them. Miami, I think Denver probably had a little more talent than Miami, but... Anyways, we're not talking about Denver right now. We're talking about the East. So let me get back up to that very top tier, the the, the six teams in Tier 1 and Tier 2. And those teams, I think y'all aren't going to be surprised at them at all. It's the Bucks, it's the Celtics, it's the Knicks, it's the Cavs, it's the Heat, and I'm missing one other really good team, um, the Sixers. That's the, that's the other team. Obviously, the Sixers are in a little bit of trouble with the Harden situation, but if they get that figured out on paper, they're a really good team with the MVP at the league last year. At the end of the day, Joel Embiid is still a very good player. In the playoffs, we, we need to see more, but as, as far as regular season goes, you know Embiid can go out there and he can win you some basketball games. That is a, that is a certain fact. He can go out there and win you some basketball games. In the playoffs, he needs to be able to elevate his game a little bit more, but if he's able to do that, I think he can really, really solidify himself and the Sixers team is, you know, cream of the crop. Because we, we, we've we seen Philadelphia now, for, for the past few years, be a good team in the East that just can't get over the hump. They were the three seed last year, the year before that. 
I feel like they were like a four seed. They, I, I feel like in 2022 they were a four seed. And they played like Toronto or something and lo- and then beat them and then lost in the second round. Then this past year they played Brooklyn and won before falling to Boston in seven, which was a very good series. Terrible game seven on the behalf of Joel Embiid, but a great series nonetheless. And then in 2021, I believe that was the Atlanta year where they were a one seed. Philadelphia was. And they fell. So Philadelphia's got some things to figure out, obviously, and James Harden wanting out, and there's gonna be some turmoil there. So that that that's the biggest question mark out of these six teams. But the other the other five, I think, are gonna be really really good this year. And but maybe not in the regular season, but in the playoffs, we'll, we'll we'll kind of gauge where the teams are, and 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 the team that's the biggest, the the, the biggest like regular season question mark almost is probably Miami. Just because we, we saw them last year. They were in the play, and they were a seventh seed going into the playoffs. Lost to Atlanta. Beat somebody. I forget. I think it was Chicago. It was, no, it was Chicago because of uh, D.R. DeRozan. So it was, it was definitely Chicago. And Miami beat them. And then they obviously went on, beat the Bucks, beat... Who did they beat in the second round? The Knicks. And then they beat Boston before ultimately losing to the Nuggets in the finals. And Miami, they definitely downgraded this offseason, right? I, I, I talked about this recently on the one I made about Damian Lillard. But Miami, the, 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 they lost out in their home run this offseason, which was obviously, you know, Damian Lillard. They, they were unable to get him. But, like, the the, the team just... It, it, it isn't that much different from last year, honestly. I, I know we're all looking at it like, oh, they made significant downgrades... They're not that significant. Sure, they lost Gabe Vincent. That one's pretty. That one's pretty important. They don't really have a person to replace him. They added Josh Richardson. I really, really like Josh Richardson. I think he'll fit well on this team as a defensive wing. I think they, they, that that more defensive intensity is only going to help Miami. They're they're already a culture where defense sort of is the way to go. That's sort of just their mentality. And Richardson fits right in. We've seen him in Miami before. He was really, really good. Josh Richardson was when he was in Miami for the first part of his career, so maybe being back there revitalizes him and his career. I think that's a good pickup. And then they also got they they also got a couple other guys. They got Thomas Bryant, who will help at that center position because last year we remember that their Bam Adebayo minutes, Bam Adebayo list minutes were really really you know a struggle for Miami, and they just didn't really have another guy to match up with Jokic in the finals. So adding Thomas Bryant does help a lot, and even, I don't know if, how to pronounce his name, but Jaime Hakez, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but the the rookie that Miami got has looked stellar. He's a little bit older, which is fine. This Miami team's the team that's ready to compete now. Being an older team doesn't hurt them at all, so he's going to fit right in. He looked really good in the summer league. He's looked solid in the preseason. He's going to be a guy who's going to fit right in with this Heat team, with this Heat culture. And I think if you're a Miami fan, you are excited to have him. And when you take all those things into account, the fact that the only two players they lost were Vincent and Struess, which, don't get me wrong, those were two playoff starters, Vincent, Lowry, you, you can debate that, but Struess was a starter and Vincent was a borderline starter. Those were two pretty important pieces, but I think they did a an, an okay job at, at filling in the holes. Backup point guard might be it might be a struggle, but I think Hero can run a little bit of the one if he has to. I do think Tyler Hero is going to be more amped up this year. You know, considering that his name's been in trade talks, but Portland didn't think he was valuable enough and whatnot. But 
we'll see. We'll see how that team develops. The regular season, they probably won't be great. I, I, I don't see them being a super serious regular season contender. But once it reaches the playoffs, that's when things can sort of change for Miami. We've seen this in years past. Jimmy Butler has that extra gear. He's always able to kick it into. So you, you, once once it gets to playoff time, you cannot doubt the Miami Heat. In the regular season, things might be a little bit different, but playoffs, I, I, you you have to consider this team one of the best in the East. And then the, the, the other four teams, these are the teams that I think have really high upside this year. Obviously, the top two, the Bucks and the Celtics, let's talk about them for a second. Those two teams are going to be two of the best teams in the NBA. I, I, I don't I don't think you can put that any other way. They're going to be two of the best teams in the NBA unless injuries get in the way of that, which hopefully they don't. I think injuries would be more of a problem for Milwaukee would be. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this based on the player personnel. I'm saying based on the depth. It's going to be more of a problem for Milwaukee than it would be for Boston because Boston has four four really, really good players. Milwaukee has three, one of which... Middleton is very, very, very injury-prone. Or at least in the past couple of years, he's been very injury-prone. So you, you want to watch that if you're Milwaukee. I, I, I talked a lot about Milwaukee in the Damian Lillard podcast. If you want to go listen to that, it, it's the most recent one before this one. So you, y'all can go th- see my thoughts on that Damian Lillard trade. But to, to, to recap shortly, I think they're going to be incredible. Like, on paper, that duo has every aspect of basketball checked off. Shooting, playmaking, driving, handling, Damian Lillard, defense, finishing, interior presence, Giannis. Like, even perimeter defense, Giannis is going to be, Giannis is a more than adequate perimeter defender, especially for a big man. He has some real perimeter defensive, like, upside, which is good for switching situations. Dame's not the defender you would want, maybe not the greatest defender, but I think it works out. Middleton's a good defender. Connaughton's a good enough defender. They did lose Javon Carter, which I think will hurt them defensively a little bit. I really, really liked what Javon Carter was able to bring to the table when he was in Milwaukee. So I think that they might feel that one a little bit, but otherwise I think they'll be fine. They're, this team's going to be absolutely stacked. And and honestly, you, you talk about the premier defense being lost with Drew Holiday and Carter, as I mentioned. The, the interior defense is going to make up for it. They have Giannis, they have Brooke Lopez, they have Bobby Portis. That interior defense is going to make up, I think, for the the, the, the offensive or for, for for the perimeter defensive, you know, abilities that they lost. I think that the interior defense is so good that it's going to be a t- tough for teams to to get in the paint and score against the Bucks. I mean, they're going to be forced into taking threes, and that that was sort of the coach Bud strategy almost sometimes, but. I, I I think it'll be okay. We'll we'll see how Adrian Griffin works with this with, with with this team. I'm pretty sure it's Adrian Griffin who is the coach, but we'll we'll see how he is able to work with this uh with, with this Bucks roster, and I I do think they're going to be very very good. Yes, it, it it is Adrian Griffin. I was correct. Well, we'll see how he works with, with with this Bucks roster. I think he'll be a pretty good fit. I think it was time for a change. I know Coach Bud won a championship, but I, I do think this this is this has been a move that sort of been in the works for a couple of years now, and then the championship sort of extended Coach Bud's lifespan in Milwaukee for a couple more years. Either way, I think if you're Milwaukee, you're grateful for Coach Bud, but you're ready for 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 a change. I think Adrian Griffin can come in and do a great job, and we'll see how he you know, handles the Dame Middleton Giannis grouping, which obviously has potential to be one of the greatest duos, trios in NBA history if things 
pan out the way they could. Just just the the the, the, the star power and talent of Giannis and Dame is un unmatchable. To, to, to be honest, there's there's no duo in the NBA that that can match that. I mean, I guess Durant and Booker potentially, potentially, but I think those two, Dame and Giannis, are just too deadly. At least on the offensive end of the court, there's there's no way you can stop them. It, it's going to be 70 points a night from from the, them two combined. It's it's going to be deadly. Anyways, let's let's move on to the other team that can compete with with Milwaukee in the East, and that is the Boston Celtics, and. Boston has made some very good moves to bulk up their team. They, they they've made some very 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 good moves. Cause you 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 look at the packages they had to give up for players, it's okay. Like you, I don't think you're too upset. Basically, what they did, they gave up Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, and Robert Williams, and then Malcolm Brogdon, right? Malcolm Brogdon. I'm pretty sure Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, he did. Though though you gave up those four guys in return, you got Drew Holiday and Chris Depp Porzingis. That 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 that's really how this offseason went for the Celtics. So they sacrificed some depth at the at the cost of you know f- for receiving more star power, which I think it's a good move because if you look at Drew Holiday, Holiday has played alongside very very good NBA players in his career, especially these past couple of years in Milwaukee playing with Giannis. Obviously Tatum and Brown are a little bit different than that, but Holiday knows what it's like to be you know, sort of a secondary, tertiary, offensive role type of guy while just being there to lead the team defensively. And like I said, we know we know he can do that, which is which is really going to help Boston in that perimeter defensive aspect, especially since they lost Marcus Smart because for a while they didn't have Marcus Smart or Drew Holiday, so they 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 were left with Derek White slash Malcolm Brogdon, not bad players, but not not the defensive upside that Smart or Holiday has. So adding Holiday, I think, was a really, really big get. Like I said, they had to give up Rob Williams and Malcolm Brogdon, which losing some depth, losing the sixth man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. But I think I think you're okay with that. I, I think that's a price you have to pay because you look at their new starting lineup. It, it's just stacked. It, it, stacked is really the only word you can use to describe it. You have Holiday, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis, Horford. That is a deadly lineup where all five players can shoot the ball. All five players are good are, are good defenders, at least. Some of them are great defenders. Like, th- this is a lineup that has versatility, that has stretchability, and one that, if they're able to work well together, could be an absolute threat, not only in the East, but to the whole NBA. And I, I, I do think they will be. I, I, I would really love to see a Boston-Milwaukee series this year. I think that would be absolutely incredible. Um, did we get that in 2022? I I know I think we did. I don't remember. 2022, we may have gotten that series. No, we did. We got in the second round, right? Yeah, because Middleton was injured. That was a second round series, Boston-Milwaukee. But I, I want to see that in the conference finals. I want to see those two teams go head-to-head and see those two teams. So just sort of duke it out. Because those are, I, I think, by a good margin, the most talented and the best teams in the East. It's it's Milwaukee, it's Boston on a crash course for each other. That's what it seems like. That's what it feels like. I think that's what NBA fans want to see. I mean, who would not want to watch a series where Drew Holiday's playing against his former team, and Damian Lillard's going up against the Celtics with Giannis Antetokounmpo on his team, trying to reach the finals, get Dame that coveted championship, trying to get over that hump. 
And then you have all these good Celtics players who are hungry for revenge after a disappointing playoff exit this past year, as well as a finals loss the year before. And this is these are two hungry teams who have had recent playoff success that are going to be, like I said, on a crash course for one another. And we'll see if any team can upset that. And if any team were to upset that, I think that the team that is most likely to do that would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because the Cavs have been silently... Silently improving, they, they didn't do much this offseason. They, they, they really didn't. They added Max Struess. That's really all they did. But if you look at this team, I think Max Struess could be the guy that completes it, right? You have Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt. Sure, it's a small backcourt. Mitchell has a 6'10 wingspan, so I don't think you worry too much about defen- or defense there. I think Struess is only 6'5, so you, you do have a small 1 through 3 if you start Struess, but. I don't think that's going to be too big of a problem because they're bigs down low if they're healthy. Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen, two seven-footers, that's deadly. Like we, We've seen that defensive prowess on the court. That's a, that is an absolutely stellar duo in the paint. Evan Mobley obviously has defensive player of the year potential. Jarrett Allen does his thing defensively and, and rebounds. He does that very, very well. This Cleveland team is once again poised to... To, to, to push them to, to, to push you know and, and make make a push for the playoffs they even added George Niang I'm pretty sure and and George Niang's gonna come in and shoot the ball lights out we saw him do that in Philadelphia they're just making you know not significant moves but moves to improve the edges of this roster of a developing young core we forget that Darius Garland is young I was he in the I think he's in John Morant draft he's as young as John Morant is he's you know, he's, he's only getting better. Evan Mobley, very, very good young player. He's entering his third, I think he's entering his third season, third or fourth, I think it's their third year. Like, this Cleveland team is only going to get better. Donovan Mitchell isn't even that old either. This Cleveland team is on the up and up. I, I do think if, if, if things go into place, if they don't have injuries, this Cleveland team could push one of these Boston and Milwaukee's to their limits. I don't think they'd win a series unless there's other circumstances, but I think they could really, really push these teams for their money. And then the last team who I think is in this top tier of Eastern Conference contenders is the New York Knicks. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, the Knicks didn't do anything this offseason. You're right. They, they, they really didn't. The only thing they really did was exchange Dante DiVincenzo for Derrick Rose. That, 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 that's really the only thing, and Rose didn't really even play last year that much. That, that's really the only thing that happened. And they, they, they traded Obi Toppin. They traded Obi Toppin. That's about it. That, that, that's really about it. But if you look at this Knicks team, I, I don't mind doing nothing. I think this is a team that sort of began to like gel and get things working towards the end of the season. Towards the end of the year, they sort of started to piece, you know, put the, put the pieces of the puzzle together. They, they, they really started to get Brunson, Randall, Robinson, Barrett, Hart, Grimes, all these players sort of, sort of you know, sort of molding and, 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 and just coming together to form a really really together a competent basketball team that was able to defeat that Cavs team that I just mentioned in pretty dominant fashion. Like, they, they were able to get past Cleveland without too much trouble. So I, I do think this Knicks team is one that can be dangerous. Adding Dante DiVincenzo is, an, is, a, is a good addition. It's 100% a good addition. We've seen what he can do in Milwaukee and Golden State last year. Maybe they give him more opportunities, potentially a starting, starting role alongside his Villanova guys in Brunson and Hart. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But this New York team is very deep. They, they are a very, very deep roster. They have eight or nine guys who I think are very, very good basketball players. And and this is a team that, like I said, if 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 the cards are played right, if if everything goes the way that they could that that, that, that they that they could go, you know, best case scenario, 
type type of thing. This Knicks team could see themselves as a top three, top two seed potentially in the East if things go right. That's like, you know, that that's that's their you know peak. We'll we'll see in the playoffs. I don't I don't know how much playoff potential they would have, but I do think that this is going to be another good team. Julius Randle, you, you you still have some question marks on him, but I I I still do believe in Julius Randle. As, as, as a piece on this team. If you can get him back to his like 2021 form, he'd be really, really good. He was good this past year, but I think a few years ago he's a little bit better. If you can get that version out of him again, they would really, really benefit. And and, and those six teams, as I mentioned, the, 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 that, that group of six teams, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, New York, Cleveland, Philadelphia, those six teams are the teams that I think can make a push for the playoffs. Then you get to this next tier that is like a, a, a bunch of weird teams that are in a weird spot. And and the 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 team that I think like embodies this this tier the most right now is the Atlanta Hawks. They're just in a weird spot. They traded John Collins for potato chips. They they they, they have nothing. Like they, they they really didn't make any additions. What I mean to say, but maybe you need another year for the Murray Young backcourt to work out. But if it doesn't work out this year, you may need to look into different directions. Because they, they they gave up a lot for Dejounte Murray. They gave up three first round picks. They get they did. Dejounte Murray was not cheap. So if this this doesn't work out, then they're going to be in some real 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 trouble. So Atlanta needs to make you know needs to have some success this year. Obviously they made the playoffs last year, but like that's because the Eastern Conference isn't that deep. Like once you get to this range, Atlanta is the next best team, and, and that's saying something because in the West. They probably wouldn't even be in the like they they may not even make the plane in the West like it it's it's very very different when once you get down to this like seven through ten range in the East so Atlanta's gonna need to you know piece something to piece some things together but I do think if things go right they could have a good year like I said you gotta hope that Trey Dejounte backcourt works out this year and I I, I think it's just Trey Young I said this before I don't think Trey Young can lead a championship team. Just, just the way he plays, he has to have the ball in his hands. But he's such a defensive liability that it hurts you, and you, you, your whole success, like every part of your success, relies on Trey Young. Everything. Like Trey is having a bad game, you're gonna lose because you gotta play him. If he's having a good game, you're probably gonna win because he's awesome offensively. Trey is an off- awesome offensive player. You cannot take that away from him. But defensively, he's such a, such a such a liability that it, it it it's it's difficult for me to say that he's a guy who can lead you lead a championship team. And then another team in this tier is the Bulls. The Bulls have been here been here for a couple of years now. They, they could honestly I can see them fin- finishing anywhere from six to like twelve in the East. I could see them having a a, a lot of different types of season. I, I I do like the additions they made. They got Javon Carter. They got Tory Craig. Some guys who could come in and help help this team. But I just I just don't love it. Lonzo Ball being out really hurts them. If they had Lonzo Ball, this team would be in a much better position because he's just a tr- he's he's a very true point guard. There aren't many like true playmaking first point guards left in today's NBA. Lonzo Ball is one of them. His injuries are just awful. I I feel really bad for Lonzo. Hopefully he's able to play basketball again because I do want to watch Lonzo Ball because he is a very good NBA player. I think we forget that because he doesn't play because of his injuries. But when healthy, Lonzo Ball is a fantastic NBA player. So missing Lonzo is really going to hurt. But then Levine DeRozan, it might be time, if, if this season doesn't go well, it, it may be time to break break them up. Vucevic obviously signed another contract in, 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 in Chicago, so he's here. he's there to stay. So Chicago's going to have to sort of judge where they are at the trade deadline. I would not be opposed to them 
looking into trades for some of those three guys. I, I, I would not be opposed to it because I don't think this team has clear ways to get better. I don't think they're, they, 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 there's, you know, oh, if we go get this guy, we move up to championship level. I, I don't think they're in that type of, of, of a position unless they were to have had, um, unless they had got like a Damian Lillard type of a guy. But they didn't, right? So they're sort of in a pickle and... I, I just don't like this the, the 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 construction of the Bulls team currently. It feels like they're just trying to be good because they they haven't been good since the Derrick Rose era. It feels like they're just trying to 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 to, to be decent, however they can be. But if if you're not going to be good, I don't think it's worth it to try. You know, t- to keep making these last ditch efforts to keep these older players around when you could just go all in for the rebuild because I think that's probably the direction they need to go. And then there's like the Toronto Raptors, who they they did they did lose Fred VanVleet. They added Dennis Schroeder, so that was the VanVleet replacement. But this this is another team in a really awkward spot, right? They have guys like OG Ananobi, like Gary Trent, like Pascal Siakam. All these guys are good, but they just don't fit well on the same team. And Scotty Barnes, he's he's not a small forward. He's not a small forward. He needs to go back to that power forward position that we saw him play in his rookie year, where he was very very good. So I think that, that, honestly, that Pascal Siakam should be traded. I think he should have been traded this offseason. I think that they, that Masai Ujiri is valuing his players a little bit too much because this Toronto team, I just don't see an, a, a, a clear route of progression from where they're at right now. There's going to be consistent, because the way the Eastern Conference is, 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 is constructed right now, they're going to consistently be a, play, a late lottery playoff team, and they're going to have this weird... 11 through 20 pick every year that's not really valuable. They're going to have that pick every year, meaning they can't really get anything. Their money's all tied up in these guys. And then they have they have valuable assets. Everybody wants OG Ananobi right now. Every single team wants OG Ananobi right now. Like, they have assets they could use. They just choose not to. And it really puts them in, it really puts them in a tough spot. But on paper, they are a talented roster. I don't think you can take that away. They're a talented roster. I just don't know if they're going to be able to work 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 together. That they have so many so many guys who are good individually, but the the the, the way this roster is constructed, it just doesn't exactly work out. And then a team that I think can move up into this weird play-in tier is the Orlando Magic. I really really like the way this Magic team is developing. Obviously, the core is Wagner and Bancaro. I think Bancaro has potential to be like a superstar. I think a lot of people are sort of hopping on that train right now, the Paulo Bancaro train. He is an incredible basketball player. I've, I've, I personally, I said that since he's come out of Duke, he's he's really, really, really good. I think Orlando did made the right decision by taking him number one. So we'll see how he progresses year two. If he takes the steps that he could take, it Orlando could be a deadly, deadly basketball team. The one thing that Orlando does need to sort of sort out is their guard position. They have. So many guards, so many. Like, let me, let me just see the ones I can list off the top of my head. Like, I, this is looking at nothing. Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, Jed Howard, Anthony Black, Black Caleb Houston. That's six good guards right there. You're going to have to sort that out. You're going to want to play the rookies, Black and Howard. You're going to want to play those guys. And then Fultz, he's a, I, I, I like Fultz. On, oh, I forgot Jalen Suggs, too. Sorry, Jalen Suggs is also there. I like Fultz, honestly, the most out of this group. I think Gary Harris, they're the least attached to, but they sort of got to keep him around until his contract expires. Orlando's just in a weird spot with their guards. If they can get that sorted out, I think that they could be very, very good. I've heard Cole Anthony's name in trade rumors before. We'll, we'll, we'll see if anything comes out of that. 
And then the last team that I think could be, they're, they're in between this tier and the bottom tier, is the Brooklyn Nets. They have Mikel Bridges, and I really, really do like Mikel Bridges, but indiv- individually, there's only so far you can go with Mikel Bridges being your best player. There's only so far you can go. That's the way I see it. I think he's an awesome basketball player, but I don't think he's the number one option on a playoff team. And if he is, it's something like last year where he was traded to a team that was already in that situation. So we'll see how that, that, that Brooklyn team works. They made some decent additions. I like adding Lonnie Walker. I like adding Dennis Smith, Darius Baisley. They made some good fringe you know, fringe additions. I I just don't see it working out super well. They'll be a decent team, but I would not be surprised if they make some deadline deals for like a Spencer Dinwiddie, a Dorian Finney-Smith. They like Cam Johnson, and I think they'll keep him around. Even a Nick Claxton might be valuable to some other teams, although I think the, the Nets would like to hang on to him. We'll see how that happens. And then you have the bottom tier. I think the best team in this bottom tier is probably the Pacers, to be honest with you. I like this Pacers team with Halliburton. He, Buddy Heal might get traded, but... Like Miles Turner, his his name's been in trade rumors for a very long time. They're they're a good team. They're a good team. Jarris Walker, we'll see how we'll see how he works out. And then you got Benedict Mathurin, hoping he te- he takes a step forward. Andrew Nimhard, another young guy who you really like. I think they they could be a good team. And then you have the real bottom dwellers, and that starts with the with the Detroit Pistons. Who I actually don't think are going to be that bad this year if Cade Cunningham does take the jump that he can. If Jaden Ivey takes a takes a potential jump. He didn't end the season super duper well. Like he was better at the beginning of the year, I feel like. But we'll we'll see how he progressive progresses. Bogdanovich could be a piece they look to move because teams are gonna want Bojan Bogdanovich. I guarantee it. And then their big man position, they got a lot of bigs. We'll see how they sort that out. Then they added a star Thompson. He could be a very, very good piece. I would not be surprised to see him starting from day one in that small four position. So we'll see how Detroit handles that. And then there's the Charlotte Hornets. Not not much to say about the Hornets. They're, they're they're an interesting franchise. It seems to have no direction. They got Brandon Miller, which is cool. But I think that literally everyone, l- legitimately every fan, thinks that they should have taken Scoot Henderson. Which just just by watching the summer league in preseason, I think we can probably say that's a consensus. I think that Scoot Henderson probably be better than Brandon Miller. But I, I do see why they did it. You're going for fit, right? Miller does fit much better on this Hornets team. They need a small forward. Miller fits perfectly, as opposed to Scoot Henderson, where you'd, where you'd have the split ball handling duties between Henderson, Lamelo, and Terry Rozier. I guess they didn't want to deal with that, so they ended up taking Brandon Miller. Or they just like his upside, because Brandon Miller, I think we forget, he averaged like 20 points a game last year at Alabama. He was really, really, really good. He just gets overshadowed because Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama are really, really good. And then the last team in the East... It's the Washington Wizards. They're they're going to be depressing this year. Um, I'm not going to watch many Wizards games. I'll be honest with you. I I, I want to watch Tyus Jones. I like Tyus Jones as a Grizzlies fan, but I I don't think this Wizards team has any clear direction, other than a rebuild. They got Jordan Poole. He'll average like 25 points a game. Congrats, Poole. You're the best player on a bad team. Him and Kuzma will have a have a party. They'll be really really good. But that's going to be about it for the Wizards and. If you are the Wizards, I, I think the things you look for are steps and improvement from, from the young guys, such as uh, Johnny Davis, hopefully Bilal Kulabali's good, Denny Avdia. You want to see those guys take steps, Corey Kispert. If they don't take steps, then this year's sort of a wash, but we'll see what happens with the Wizards. As I said, I'm not going to be watching many Wizards games. I'm going to be more interested in the teams like Milwaukee and Boston. But yeah, that's, that's most of what I have to say about the Eastern Conference. Let me know your thoughts about the East 
conference standings predictions, playoff predictions, whatever you want, or even just some thoughts you have, please do leave them in the comment section down below. I will I enjoy reading them and responding, so make sure y'all do that. Western Conference podcast just like this will probably be out in a week or so, so be on the lookout for that. But anyways, thanks y'all so much for watching. Until next time, I'm out.